0: Welcome to Brave Knitting. Hello. This is Linda. And I'm Anne. And we want to welcome you to episode two, where we want to talk about making your first garment. Right. Or just maybe making any garment. Uh, we're rec- recording this to be released on October 15th,
1: 2019.
0: Right. So, Anne, tell me... When I met you, you were a novice knitter, only knitting, well, you had just started knitting when we met, right. and I was getting back into knitting, Right. and jumping into, I was actually re-knitting my very first project, but we'll talk about that a little later, <laughs> but I want to hear from you as a, as a novice knitter, and for someone who didn't have my experience um, learning how to knit, what, what intimidated you about making a garment?
1: Everything intimidated <laughs> me about making a garment. Um, yes, we kind of touched on it last time, but we're going to go a little bit more in-depth this time. Um, the first garment that I did with uh, Linda and four others was the Nor'easter sweater by Thea Coleman. And anyone who has seen it, uh, we will uh, we'll post a picture of it. But it had cables. It had. It was a cardigan. Had a shawl collar, had ribbing, and uh, buttonholes—just everything that you, you know, <laughs> breeds fear in, in anyone. And uh, yeah, and I think probably starting out, the the thing that I was most concerned about was the cable pattern. I okay. thought that that looked so incredibly. You had just finished a vest. I remember at that time. And I kept looking at that thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, she did that. That's so cool. There's no way. Maybe someday in 20 years I'll be able to do that. But then I was thrown right into it.
0: Yeah, I had, at that time I was working on a, a vest that was really, really a very quick knit. I hadn't, I hadn't knit it actually in a number of years, and I was kind of jumping back into knitting at that point. And I found this vest in a book called Best Vests. Okay, (laughs) and um, I didn't know we were going to talk about this today, so I can't remember the name of the 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 pattern, but it had these gigantic cables, Mm -hmm. and I've always done cables, and I love cables, and I think they're cool because they do look complicated, and really, they're they're usually usually very simple, Mm -hmm. and this was a a simple cable except that it was gigantic. I think it was a twenty one stitch. Cable. It went down the middle of her back. It was like a big, thick cable down yeah. the middle. of Yeah, and the then back. there were ones down the front too. Oh, okay. And this, it was like a just like a kind of a longer, um, open front cardigan. And yeah, these cables were just gigantic. So they weren't hard, except when you're kind of cabling <laughs> that many stitches, you're yeah. really, really, really stretching. You the need arm. your muscles. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's interesting you say that um, cables was one of the main things that intimidated you because yeah. I think in making a sweater and in particularly in the case of this sweater cables was probably the least of your worries <laughs> i think
1: that's <laughs> probably true i remember starting out uh, linda said i really i you have to get a I think it was like a J hook or something, a metal J hook, and she showed me the one that she used since I went Yeah, out. the J
0: cable needle. Right. It's, the, needle. it's the one is the one that
1: I like. Right. And so I got that and I decided to practice. I thought and that's something that I that really helped me. I practiced before I actually, you know, started the garment. And so I was practicing the cables and trying to practice with this J hook cable needle. And it didn't work for me at all. I had to try to put those those uh stitches back onto the needle and I just couldn't do it. I was splitting the yarn and it was just a nightmare. And so I really started thinking, how else could I do this? And that comes back to our idea of just, you know, you need to find what works for you because obviously what worked for her was not working for me. And I thought, you know, if I could just knit those cable stitches back off of that, you know, third needle, I would be so much better off. How could I do that? So I started using just a double point needle in about the same size. And in doing that, that made all the difference in the world. And I also was just very, I was very slow and methodical about it. I was so afraid of losing a stitch off of any one of those needles. So I would stopper each one off (laughs) and I'd get lined up and I'd get set. And then I would, you know, just unstopper the ones that I needed to use and do the cables. and, And I just took my time. And I really did not have really many problems with the cables. You know, I think it went really pretty well. And I was very um, excited with how it turned out
0: on the back. Yeah, and I, I love cables. It's funny, I think, is you or another person in our group that <laughs> when we were done with our sweaters, I, I don't do this a lot, but I did make this mistake on that sweater, that there was one row where I I missed the cable row, like it had a series of cables across it, and I think maybe I don't know four or six, whatever. And I did two of them, but not the other two. Okay. So, so there's not a cable. And I think somebody else in our group did it like at the exact same place I on think, the sweater.
1: I think maybe that was a miswrite or something because I think maybe I did that too.
0: You no, know, it, it's in the. It was. It, it was, was. It was
1: right. We just all. Yeah,
0: we just all. You know, when you're doing the repeat and you're supposed to, you know, cable that row, you just forget
1: oh gosh um, yeah but, but
0: you can't tell yeah not a big deal I mean if you look at it my daughter who is a knitter she walked in like the first day after I finished it and she's like oh you missed a cable there <laughs> oh, like, right. oh, yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> so <a> much <laughs> but yeah Too it's all good like I say it's, it's just
1: knitting that's right exactly <laughs> I yeah I can't even tell but probably the other thing that uh, gave me the most worry was uh, the buttonholes and everybody who had kind of gone before me had maybe a little bit of trouble with the buttonholes. I was really beho- behind everyone else. And so before I started the buttonholes, I got out, you know, other yarn and, and just practiced and practiced. And that really made a big difference too, because then by the time I actually had to do it on the garment itself, I was pretty confident that I could do the buttonhole.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because we were talking earlier before we started recording and Anne mentioned that I had had trouble with the buttonholes too. And, I don't remember that and I I kind of I haven't done a lot of projects with buttonholes but I've done a few and the way I remember this I thought that this buttonhole was ended up being a very nice buttonhole okay. now it could be in the beginning I was confused about something and and maybe just had to do it a few times I can't remember now but um I do think that it, it's a it's a lovely buttonhole yeah, and I if I remember correctly in the pattern that Perhaps the the pattern designer referred us to another to a, a a YouTube video or another designer or something to do the buttonhole.
1: Right. Yeah. And it was a yeah. It was a very nice buttonhole. I agree. And I would say that that was. Um, other than that, you know, I thought that the uh, Thea Coleman Nor'easter was a, a very nice pattern. I think it was easy to understand. I figured out, you know that. Um, Toward the end of the cowl, I was so, toward the end of the knit-along, I was so far behind everyone else because I'm a slow knitter. Uh, I ended up, you know, figuring out a little bit about it on my own. I didn't think that she was, um, I, I thought that it was very easy to understand. My only problem with it was the fit. Um, and, I, and I know that it's not just me. Everyone in our group had the same problem with the shoulders being way too big. And then um, I did go to, uh, I, I did show it at Dallas Knitters Guild, you know, when oh, right. you stand up and you show what you've made. And someone came up to me afterwards and she said, are you happy with the way it turned out? And I said, well, it doesn't fit right around the shoulders. And she said, that happened to me too. So I don't know, you know, what it's we did. It's definitely
0: something in the pattern because, and I think between Ann and I, and then we have another friend who also was making it. She's still making it. She's, she's going to finish oh, sure. eventually. Um, but she, she's very far along, <laughs> yeah. but I have very, very narrow shoulders. Mm-hmm. So things a lot of times are big in the shoulders for me. So in my case where the rest of the sweater fits very nicely, the shoulders are gigantic yeah. on me where I think yours, I think looks fine on you. It doesn't, it doesn't look necessarily too big the way mine does, but it's, it's something in the pattern and it's a little, um, it's a little surprising because Thea Coleman is a pretty well-known designer, right. yeah. and her patterns are very popular. you know very really popular. And but it, and if you go through Ravelry and you look at the other people that have made the mm-hmm. the sweater, you'll see a lot of people have made the comment that there's something funky about the yeah. the fit in the shoulders. And the other thing that I encountered, and once again, I don't know if it was just me, and maybe it's just a result again of my kind of having the narrow shoulders, but when I did the shawl collar the i just thought it was gigantic it was pretty good you know it was just like wearing a big muff around my neck (laughs) and it looked ridiculous and so i ended up like pulling out like a good portion Mm -hmm. of the i think there are some short rows in that shawl collar and i i probably pulled out 15 or 20 rows i pulled out a lot and then just just made it a lot smaller right
1: it was it was kind of sold as a grandpa type sweater, so right. I suppose it was supposed to be a little bit oversized. Now I'm I'm a little bit on the bigger side. I'm five ten, so I have a bigger frame, and it it still to me seems very very broad in the in the right. shoulders.
0: But in yours, it just looks a little big on mine. I I yeah. literally have to like fold like yeah, three right. inches under in right. order to make it look like it right. fits on my body. Right,
1: but I'm still very 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 proud of it. And I think at some point I I will. Gain this. I will be brave and and fix it because I know that that our teacher had the same problem of that knit along, and I, I believe that she ended up cutting the sleeves. She put in a lifeline, cut the sleeve, and then cut out you know some of that bulk and re sewed it together. And I'd like to try that at some
0: point. Yeah, and I I thought about that pattern and as and because I had read unravelry that the problems people were having and I i couldn 't really figure out how to make to make adjustments work for me, and then even after I did mine and Anne and our other friend Terry were still working on theirs, I was trying to look at the pattern to see if I could mm-hmm. make some suggestions to them to so that they wouldn 't encounter the same thing and i I, I failed at that <laughs> I never did come up with with a way that I could address the construction and i What's kind of ironic, though, is I really like the—it's got like a saddle shoulder. It and I, does. I do yeah. like the construction of the shoulder. Yeah. There's just a little bit too, too much, much bulk in it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe by now somebody on Ravelry, I'm sure, has figured figured it out, it out and maybe offered some yeah. um, suggestions. But anyway, yeah. it's the,
1: just something to bear in mind. It is a beautiful sweater. It is a beautiful pattern. It is very well written. Um, just, just big, go into it, bearing in mind that it's going to be a little bit big around the shoulders. Look for a fix, or maybe make a smaller size. You know, <laughs> how about you? I mean, you are the one who has the incredible, you know, beginning sweater story. That
0: I'm very, very fortunate in the. Um, I briefly mentioned in the last episode in the mid '80s, I was working in an office, and a group of us decided that we were going to go take knitting lessons. So we went to this knitting store that I do not remember the name of. Anybody in Dallas, Texas in the (laughs) mid-'80s remember a store that was in a shopping center near Park Lane and Central Expressway? Let us know the name of the store. But it was a lovely little store, and Wilma was one of the women that worked in there. And Wilma taught our class. And I have scrounged up the pattern. The paper's yellowed. yellowed
1: pattern, yes.
0: But it was called the Seamless yoke Sweater, and I'm assuming that Wilma wrote the pattern because there's no other name on the pattern. It appears to be typed, not from a computer. <laughs> yes, so this was, you know, like 1984, yeah. 85, and yeah. so computers were still kind of a newfangled thing. <laughs> anyway, we, we made the sweater, and we started off with ribbing in the round, and then we knit it up, and we had cables from, you know, right after the, the ribbing stop. we had two cables um, kind of on e- either side of the the front of the sweater, and we got up to a yoke, and we changed colors, and then we did some seed stitch along the, the yoke, and then we attached sleeves. You know, we learned how to use double pointed, okay. we then attached sleeves, we did the neck, we bound off, it was all good, and, I think we finished that sweater in six, maybe eight weeks. Wow! I mean, pretty quick when you yeah. think about it. I, it's, for beginners, it, but... yeah, it takes me two months to make a sweater now, and I've been knitting for over thirty years. So I really have to hand it to Wilma because she just this was this was the beginning project, and we just didn't did it, and we didn't know any better. You know, since then I found out that most people go to a knitting store and they learn how to knit, and they start off by making a you Know a, squ- a, a yeah. rectangle of some type, right? right? Yeah, um, no cables, no ribbing, right. uh, nothing complicated. But I like your way, I like Wilma's way. But I, but I am really grateful to Wilma because she is the reason I'm a brave knitter. Yes. And then I, we had a uh, the next level class Wilma taught, and I look back at this and I wish I still had the sweater, I don't know what happened to it. We made a sweater that had nine different colors of yarn. Wow! So we were, you know, having to deal with color on the on second project, having to deal with color change, and then there were bobbles on this sweater every so often, and and then it had kind of like almost like a puffy sleeve. This is the mid '80s. Remember, sure. kind of like so it had it didn't have like a normal set-in sleeve, um, and I can't remember. I don't remember if it was knit in the round or not. I'm guessing maybe it was since it was all these colors that certainly she didn't have us purling with the colors. But knowing Wilma, maybe she did. She just (laughs) thought, you need to learn how to do it. That's right. Um, So thank you, Wilma. I I don't think Wilma's with us anymore, but I am forever grateful um, to Wilma for making me a brave knitter and making me think that there was just nothing out there I couldn't do. Right, exactly. Yes. So. So. What are we, that's what we're being brave about this week. What are your raves and and your faves? Well,
1: speaking of garments, I have started my second garment. It's not a fitted garment. It's a poncho. But anyone who knows me knows that I like ponchos an awful (laughs) lot. I wear a lot of them. And this is called the Black Lock Poncho by Marie Green of Olive Knits. And so far, so good. I think it's making the most beautiful fabric. I've learned some new stitches: the left twist, the right twist, the cluster twist. No and I haven't heard of any, of, any those. of those stitches. Yeah, so, no. um,
0: and I she sent me a picture last night of mm-hmm. what it looks like. It's a very interesting, kind of looks like a cable, but not really. Just right. kind of an interesting pattern on the fabric from the from the Unique Stitches, so yeah. I'll be anxious to see it in person. I'm really, really
1: excited about it, so that is just what I'm working on every minute I can.
0: Okay. Yes. <laughs> How about you? Um, I want to rave about a sweater I finished a couple months ago called Dirty Martini. This one is cool. By Ella Torrente mm-hmm. and it is a really, really simple fast cardigan sweater no no fasteners kind of hip length sweater but just really fun really easy lots and lots of projects on Ravelry if you like to go there and kind of look and see what other people have done before you start a project it's a sweater that seems to look pretty good on everybody and I used Malabrigo Rios mm-hmm. which is a yarn I really liked. I had used it for the first time a year ago with the um, the knit along with the nor'easter that yeah. Ann and I talked about earlier. That was the first time I used the Malabrigo Rios and I really really loved the, yeah, the, the yarn and I had come across a really great sale on the Malabrigo oh, over a year ago and found this colorway that I just loved and bought nine or ten skeins of it Mm -hmm. and thought, oh, I'll get around to making a sweater eventually. And then I happened to run Dirty Martini, and so I made that. And this sweater practically knit itself in about two weeks. It has has a little bit of garter stitch short rows, which are kind of fun. But other than that, it's knits and purls. And the only other Thing that's a little complicated is you do have to pick up stitches somewhere okay I'm trying to remember exactly um, but I think around uh, around the front band mm-hmm. so you do have to pick up stitches but that's I nice. have some tricks about picking up stitches that I'll share in a, in a future episode but other than that just a, a really great um, first garment for anybody yes. out there looking for a, a great easy pattern that
1: sounds great and that yarn is beautiful yeah, I love that yard. Yeah. And um, do you remember the the colorway by chance? Uh,
0: no, something
1: to do with the beach or something. I remember it was like something. Yeah, way. yeah, I yeah. It's now. beautiful. Oh my word! All their colors are beautiful. So maybe find it and we'll put it on the okay. show notes. So yes, how about the misty haze? Well, that brings me back <laughs> to, of course, you know, the black lock poncho, um, which I'm loving. But when I started out, I mean, it's not difficult. There's nothing difficult about it. If you can knit and purl, you can figure out the whole thing. Um, But you're doing a lot of different things as you're going across a row. And I tend to, you know, watch podcasts. And I um, start to daydream and I mess up. And so I have found um, the, the... the most amazing thing, which you all know about, the Lifeline. I mean, I had never used one before. I didn't really understand understand how it would work, you know, how you would put one in, how you would knit with it there. Uh, so I started looking for um, YouTube videos on it. And at first, the first time I, I put my a second uh, circular needle through uh, the row and then knit with that in there. And it was a little bit difficult for me. Didn't like that. So then I tried just, you know, using white cotton yarn with a uh, tapestry needle. And that has, oh my gosh, that has been a lifesaver. <laughs> it really is a lifesaver. And then I think we were talking about, you had found some different ideas. You'd put the idea in my head, really, about a lifeline before I even started this uh, sweater. And it kind of came to me as I was having issues and having to pull back, pull them back out. You had said that you had... Um,
0: yeah, I had, uh, I was listening, one of the podcasts I really enjoy are the Yarniacs. Mm-hmm. Hello, Gail and Charlene. <laughs> and I was listening to some, I think this is an older episode, but they were talking about lifelines, and they talked about just using the the wire of an interchangeable mm-hmm. needle. And I thought... Yeah. Yeah, because you
1: knit through it and then just un- unscrew it. And then it. just
0: unscrew it. Uh, the yeah. problem with that is then you got to get another needle in there that you can knit off of for the next row. Right. And that's the part that I didn't quite figure out. But, but they had also mentioned in the uh, in the knit pickers interchangeable needles, uh, the way you, you screw them on, and there's a little hole where you can stick a pin so that the pin can help you sort of tighten Mm -hmm. when you're screwing it on or unscrewing it. And they had suggested you can thread some some thread or yarn, or what I really like for a Lifeline is dental floss, because it's just cheap and easy and you can keep a little container in your project bag. And so they had mentioned threading the the thread or, or floss through this little hole, and it automatically... You know, you, no, didn't, had, you didn't have to worry. Right. You do it for knitting along and the lifeline is there. Yep. And Ann and I were talking about this yesterday. Yeah, because you said that you don't have that kind. Right, with I'm, working a, hole. I'm working on I do have that kind, oh, okay. but I'm working on a project right now where I'm using my addies that don't have that hole. Right. And this is a project where oh, a couple nights ago I really could have used yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little lifeline. Little right. That's a whole other story. Yeah. But when we were talking yesterday, I thought, well, why couldn't you just, tape the dental floss to your needle right so or kinda, even the yarn for that matter. Yeah. yeah so last night just for the fun of it mm-hmm. i got a piece of scotch tape and i got my dental floss <laughs> and i just taped it to the to the needle of uh, maybe an inch down from the from the top not right at the top so it didn't really interfere and just knit it along and Work like a dream, so Absolutely. this might be my new invention. Yeah, I think that that's what
1: I'm gonna try tonight for sure. Yeah, yeah, so that was I'm really great.
0: I'm switching to dental floss and see if <laughs> that's
1: <what's> gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I think that the dental floss would be easier too. I mean, the yarn going through there, it's a little bit you know, it's not hard, but it's still sometimes you get it caught in your needle, right? And you, split and you can it. get
0: the nice, yeah. like, um, slippery. Yeah. Dental floss, floss that's not going to be really life. easy. So really easy to pull out too when you don't need that light anymore. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I love that idea. So how about you?
0: My misbehaves. Well, <laughs> I've made a lot of garments in my life, so I have a lot of stories to tell, <laughs> uh-huh. but I guess I'll go back and I'll talk about kind of fit and gauge, okay. which are two of the things that are a big problem for a lot of people making a first garment and probably a thing that intimidates a lot of people. So, a couple years ago, I I hadn't been knitting for a while, and I decided I was really going to get back into knitting and knit every day. And so I decided to find this old pattern from Wilma, the seamless yoke sweater, and make it again. And so that's what I did. And what was really interesting is... On this pattern, it's written as if there's only one size, that in the instructions, in the very beginning, it says cast on then blank blank stitches. And I have written 182. And my guess is that in this class 30-some years ago, that, that Wilma probably went through some sort of exercise with us about gauge and that we calculated our gauge, and then we calculated our measurements, and then from that, she gave us the, mm-hmm. the the formula to figure out how many of these stitches we cast on, and then the rest of the pattern is really just kind of based on that number, that everything is a percentage of that number as you're proceeding with the rest of the pattern. So when I redid this sweater a couple years ago, I was 30 years older than I was when I knitted it the first time. And, unfortunately, a a little bit larger than I was back 30 (laughs) years ago. No, no, no. And my intent was I was knitting this sweater for my niece, who was a petite little thing. At the time, she was 19 years old. And I thought, oh, this will be a lovely gift for Sarah Jane. So I'm just going to make the sweater exactly... How I did thirty years ago, and it should fit Sarah Jane just fine. So that's what I did. Right. And I got done with the sweater, and the sweater was gigantic, oh, gosh. like too big for me. Let alone skinny little Sarah Jane was. It was not going to work. So the the sweater has found a home with my friend Annie, um, who is a little bit broader in the shoulders than I am. But it was a a, a good lesson in. Engage and and probably in the fact that my gauge has changed Changed probably pretty dramatically in the last 30 years. Probably
1: relaxed a little bit or what? I mean, would that be, Probably
0: relaxed Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah. So, and I'm one of these people that I've been over the years a little bit lazy about checking gauge. Yeah. And and now I am... I'm all about the gauge. Mm-hmm. I recently completed level one of the Master Knitter program, and in that we talked quite a bit about gauge and there's worksheets on gauge. And I have really come to understand how important gauge is. Right. So if you want to, if you want to save and avoid that misbehave, <laughs> you know, just go ahead and do it. And that just, brings
1: yeah. us back to something we said in our first episode episode never assume anything (laughs) you assumed that it would be the same
0: and get you know and and understanding gauge is really key for fit um but but i think gauge is also something that's a little complicated and for Mm -hmm. somebody who's just out there trying to you know learn on their own you know gauge might be a little um might be a little scary so you know find a book at your library about gauge go to your local um yarn shop go to youtube um Try to educate yourself on gauge so that you understand it and you don't end up with um, a garment that's just way too big or way too small.
1: Going back to that uh, Thea Coleman sweater, the first time I ever did gauge, what was so nice was that there were two pockets on the front and we used a pocket as the gauge swatch, which is so nice because I think that's my problem. I want to get into the sweater or the project. I don't want to waste time on a gauge swatch. But that was part of the sweater, so that was really neat. Yeah, I,
0: I thought that think. was great, too. And, yeah. and I've heard people say that, and I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how they've done this, but I've heard people say that they've managed to make a gauge swatch on almost every project that turns into a part of the garment. Oh, Now, I don't know how you make that work. but We're going to have to look into that. Yeah, we're, we're going to bring <laughs> it to our listeners. <laughs> um, uh, and a gauge swatch, somebody also recently mentioned that sometimes at the end of a project, you might run out of yarn. Mm-hmm. So keep your gauge swatch. Yes. Oh. So you may, that extra little bit of yarn may be just what you need to tie you over. Very, very smart. I like that idea. Okay.
1: So I guess we're down to... Craves.
0: Craves. What are you craving?
1: Okay. I just received something in the mail, and it is a sweater. It's called, it's the Gracious Pattern by Melissa. I think it's, you know, it's Clu- Clulo, Clulo from Espos Tricot. She's one of the owners of Espas Trico. And she had shown the sweater on the podcast, and I thought it was just beautiful. It's um, striped. It's, um, they, have, they are so good with colors. It's kind of a black and rose gold and a cream color. It's just beautiful. And so my kit has just arrived, and it's in their gray space, which is what I wrote it down. It is, listen to this, 75% merino, 15% cashmere, and 10% silk.
0: Ah, yeah, okay. Very luxurious. Fun. Exactly.
1: So I'm very, very excited.
0: So when are you going to get started on that? Oh, I am kind
1: of a monogamous knitter for the most part. And as long as the black Lock poncho is still on my needles, I'll probably knit away at that for a while. Okay. And the
0: poncho is pretty big, so it might take a little while.
1: Probably, but I'm, I'm cooking along. Okay. Well. Okay, good.
0: Um, Well, for me, I am craving a class that I am scheduled to take November 2nd. Our Dallas Knitting Guild has commissioned Denise Bell, who I Mm -hmm. talked about briefly in our first episode, Mm -hmm. as sort of our hero of brave knitting because she seems to have such a great philosophy. Well, she is teaching a class on November 2nd here for members of our guild called Icelandic yoke sweaters, so I guess the the way I understand the class and i um, my, my understanding is she is she's in the process of teaching or I forget when stitches Salt Lake City is if it's already happened or if it's about to happen, but she is teaching that same class there, and from that website, I got a good description where um, it says she uses unspun and I'm going to pronounce this wrong but plu. Topoli, tu, plu, <laughs> okay, plo, spell it, tulopy yarns. Oh, oh, lope, yeah yeah. tulopi yarns, it's tulope, which are from native sheep in Iceland. And I have never heard of this yarn, but yes. apparently it is so common in Iceland, they sell it in the grocery stores. Wow. So Denise is going to teach us how to draw and swatch several yoke options and then proceed on with um, designing our, our own sweater. So I'm very excited about that class mm-hmm. on November 2nd. We will our next episode will be around November 1st, and we will probably rec- record it before I take that class. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you might hear about my class uh, when we in the episode that will release around November 15th.
1: Okay, that sounds great. So. I cannot wait to hear. How many days is that? Is it like a 2-day class. No,
0: it's just it's just one 6-hour day. Oh wow. That's so so bad. it's a, it's a long day, awesome. but should be fun. And I'm okay. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Well, I think we have we covered everything. I think we've covered everything. So we hope you are all excited out there if you haven't made a garment that you run out <laughs> run right get out. some yarn, find a great pattern and then swatch, make a swatch. Yeah, swatch, yes. check your gauge yes. and 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 report back to us. Let us know how you're doing. We we have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We will have a Ravelry group in the next couple of weeks.
1: We Anne is
0: page. doing some stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we would we would love to hear your comments.
1: Absolutely, and any tips that you might want to share with us.
0: Yes, because like, yes. we are, we we're always looking for for new tips and techniques and mm-hmm. and um, just just okay. spread the knitting love here. We're
1: here to learn. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.
0: And remember, be be brave. brave.